Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by ESPN NBA insider Zach Lowe. For all your finals insight, Lowe will be there with what you need to know. And during the NBA Finals games in Boston, Zach and Brian Winhurst will be doing special post-game podcasts. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. Also, ESPN's Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents the greatest mixtape ever, the story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture, defined the lives of the players who starred in them, and changed the game itself forever. Stream now on ESPN+. And listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast, A Streetball Mixtape, exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories. Listen now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Series over, man. I, I don't care what oh, nobody wow. say. Series over. Unless the Celtics just decide to roll over, which they do every now and then. They're just so much better than them. Like, it's... They're just so much better than that. And, and Clay Thompson complaining about the crowd cussing at people. Like, that's how you know the series over. When he like, <laughs> show some class, Boston. <laughs> Real class. You are done when that is what you have resorted to as an organization. We're going to get to some of the stuff going on with the NFL. Deshaun Watson, your boy Jack Del Rio, not related to Vanessa. First, I'm trying not to say series over. Just because Boston has demonstrated to us that their attention span is too short to expect them to play four quarters in a game, let alone two games in a row, right? They almost fooled me with game two because they came out off the top in game two and they was doing it. And then they went in halftime and I don't know what they in there doing. Watching cartoons, shooting dice, checking IG. Like, I don't have any idea what they do at halftime, but it's clearly not a productive use of their time. Because it happened again, again. It ain't adjustments. I guess they want to wait till the fourth quarter start to make their adjustments because they've been pretty good in that quarter. But the third quarter, that ain't it. And they came, Steph and them had a seven point trip down the floor. Like they were up, they were up nine. I've never seen that in my life. You go from up nine to one score game. <laughs> like, what? I've never seen anything like that before in my life. But I recognize that I think part of why they're going to have to go so hard on these replays now is because of the gambling. So much of this is judgment calls. And so many of these rules that most of us think, like when the playoffs come, you kind of need to shake them off or whatever. That gets real dicey once you are actually in business with the people setting the lines, right? With the people who are trying to keep this thing as level as possible. This is a good reason to stay out of it. But I'm so sick of the replays. And I understand the logic of making like what Horford did to Curry on that play. But it is also classic sports league reactionary behavior. Tom Brady tore his ACL because somebody on the ground grabbed his leg. Well, you can't grab nobody's leg no more. Boom. That's how we do it. Now, it's funny because in the NFL, Roy Williams had to break a third person's leg, I believe it was, before they decided to get rid of the horse collar tackle. But, you know, the first two, they, nobody was really paying attention. They just thought it was one of those quirks. But with this, this is the play very similar to what happened with Kawhi Leonard and Zaza Pachulia. 
in 2017. And so they decided to make that a flagrant foul. And I just found it absurd. They call that a flagrant foul. Like you just try to make it so easy for these dudes to shoot threes. Okay, cool. This is what we do. But damn dog. (laughs) I mean, it's an entertainment property. And you don't want Tom Cruise to get injured and not be available to be in the movie. That's what it comes down to. Like, they want their stars to be there. I don't agree with it, particularly in that case. But I think they'd rather live with one seven-point trip down the floor than to live with a finals without their star players. That was crazy. And they still lost. I mean, I think the reason why I think the series is over is the Warriors don't have offense. They got Steph Curry, and then they got turnovers. Transition point off turnovers. And when they try to... and. 25 points for Clay is good for this version of Clay, but it wasn't good enough. Because when they needed him to carry the offense, he couldn't. They needed Jordan Poole to carry the offense, he couldn't. And he's such a liability on defense. Like, this team has names and has pedigree, but I don't know if they got the guys. Like, Wiggins ain't that guy. Poole ain't that guy. Clay ain't that guy no more. Draymond shooting 20% from beyond the arc can't give you nothing. An offensive end is a liability. He's there for vibes. He's a great vibes guy, but I'm going to need more than vibes out of you at this point, bro. So if they win, Steph need to get the biggest MVP trophy ever. When you said he was there for vibes, at first I was like, oh, damn, that's harsh. But no, that's exactly like what he's been about for the last two games. The defining characteristic of Draymond Green in the last two games is vibes, right? Not easy vibes, not chill vibes, not relaxed vibes, but vibes nonetheless, right? Like that's what he decided he's going to be the dude that brings the urgency, the anger, the desperation, all of those things. But he is a flat out offensive liability and I don't want to go too far and too deep into this, but this is why I find it so absurd anytime somebody comes to me talking about Draymond Green as a Hall of Famer. Draymond Green is a retire his jersey guy. Never pay for dinner in San Francisco again, right? Like, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but they're playing four on five. Like, are you looking at how far away they are backing up? Draymond Green is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Whether you think he deserves to be or not, he's going to go. But I, I get I get your point. But If you are a vibes guy, and I don't mean that to be insulting because his vibes are a big reason why they won game two. Yeah, they matter. That is a huge value to a team, particularly a team, a jump shooting team. You used to not be able to win with a jump shooting team. But when you got a guy who vibes is so strong, you can still win with that type of team. But it don't help when the other side ain't scared, when they've been there enough. They put him on, on Jalen Brown. They took him off of Horford after game one, put him on Jalen Brown. He's more in the mix. He's better for the team there. This game, they start him on Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown went nuts in the first quarter. And then Draymond had a big block and was like, oh, nice, Draymond, big block. Same possession. Jalen took it right at his face again and laid it up and scored. So, like, if your defense ain't killing them and, and your offense is killing us, It's hard for me to look at this as a championship team. And I know Mr. New Media Draymond don't want to hear all this stuff. And I know he know more about basketball than all of us put together. But I'm watching them games, man. (laughs) Get some honest analysis on what you're doing. Well, this is another thing that I think is interesting. I have thought that the criticism of Steve Kerr for not playing Steph Curry enough was valid, right? Like, this is the time. You got to get it done, dot, 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 all these things. I think my buddy Nick, Sent a tweet out this morning. I think he said that Steph Curry in this series has scored six points in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, game two, we can kind of throw that out the sample because it was such a blowout by then. I don't even know if he played any in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? So I'm willing to take that one out of there. But if he only got six points between two games, we still have an issue here. And I just think 
that strikes me as a dude that ain't got gas left by the time you get there because he has to do so much to carry these dudes. Clay put up them numbers. You saw that it was 25 points. And I think Warriors fans make a fair point about when talking about Steph, where the Celtics are just like, well, Steph is only going off when people mess up on defense, right? When they go on the screens or whatever it is. And you are right. That does discount what he is actually doing. However, I did notice that them Clay Thompson shots had a whole lot to do with the Celtics playing the screens wrong. He still made them, right? I don't want to take away the credit for it, but the point being, this is not the dude he was, and it was ridiculous that anybody ever has expected that he would be the dude he was, given the literal physical trauma and nearly three years off that he had without playing basketball. That's just not going to happen. So then you go look at this, and it's basically Steph. Because if they got to play Draymond and Kevon Looney at the same time, you got two dudes who can't really give you anything on offense. And Andrew Wiggins, he literally can take what you give him if he recognizes what is being given. He was great in transition, which I think is a real value, right? Like going out there, getting those easy buckets, coming, banging on people. Like, I don't want to discount what it is that he's providing. I'm just saying Steph is the only dude that they got that you could be like, hey, man, it's really kind of going bad here. You think you can get us a bucket? And he got to do it from the parking lot. I think both of us are conscious of not trying to like over criticize the Warriors, but we had the championship now and like the Warriors are great. But differentiating between champions is like, yeah, you got to nitpick a little bit. And I mean, Wiggins ain't the dude. I, I know we wanted to have a, a Wiggasance or whatever we was calling it because he dunked real good last series, but he going to need to be the player that when he was drafted, people thought he was going to be. Like a player that you can give the ball to and clear out and let him cook. And your point about Steph, I don't have a problem with people saying Steph only hitting these shots when the Celtics mess up on defense because the Celtics, just like any other group of humans, are going to mess up. And if my guy capitalized on all your mistakes, he might have 60 because that's how it works. And the problem I see is the debatable postgame show. We were talking and I was like being critical of Klay Thompson. And they pushed back like this was like his best game. It's like, ah, you're talking about numbers. You're not talking about what's actually happening out there. Because when Steph needed a break, Clay couldn't do it. They was running him off screens, getting him open, clean looks. He was going in the paint, taking mid-range shots. And he was hitting some, but he wasn't hitting enough. And the other, on the other side, I mean, Tatum hasn't been cooking offensively as a scorer. That's fine. Jalen Brown. Picking up that slack. Marcus Smart banging threes. Al Horford pop up every other game and give you some offensive contributions. And like that, that's what a team is made of. They don't got that on the other side. It doesn't seem to me. And the homie Time Lord, whose motto seems to be, I only have one job, right? And my job, running and jumping. (laughs) This is what I do. I will go pitch your shot. I will catch your oop. I am on one leg. And it don't matter because I understand, dog, I got one job, running and jumping. That's what I do. And I know some of you are listening to that thinking it sounds like two jobs, but no, running and jumping is a job. All right, what you be doing? Running and jumping. That's what he provides. I'm not saying he's incapable of providing anything else. I'm just saying that man recognizes I got one job. Like Al Horford, Al Horford got like five jobs. They don't necessarily ask him to do all those things excellently, but there are a lot of things that they ask Al Horford to do. They ask Marcus Smart to do a few different things, right? Jason Tatum, they ask him to do a lot. Nobody asked him to take all them hard-ass shots, but he just does that for fun. <laughs> Tom Lord, one job. Him and Tice. Tice uh, like, yeah, I got one job too. Being big. 
<laughs> and selling tickets. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, what's your job? Going hard. That's what I do. I just go hard. Kevon oh, Looney, man. he got one job, right? He's a one job guy. Draymond, problem with Draymond is Draymond has become a one job guy or like a job and a half, but they really need him to do like a couple of jobs. Yeah, he's gonna need to pick up some more jobs. Like there, there, there was some some layoffs at the factory, Draymond. <laughs> you gonna have to do a, a little bit more. People call this sick. <laughs> we a little short staffed this week, Draymond. I mean, the Celtics just seem so deep too. We haven't even gotten to White and the other Williams, Grant Williams hitting big shots. White playing excellent defense and occasionally like looking like a real starting point guard. Like uh, depending on the game, it's like man, that dude can shoot. Oh, he can pass too. But what he always doing is playing good defense. Like look at that um, Warriors bench, and we talking about Otto Porter. I don't know. <laughs> we talking about Jordan Poole. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know, but it just feels like they don't have the bodies for it. And, and this is one of those LeBron situations. That's what it feels like. Steph is in a LeBron situation and Steph ain't LeBron. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. So um, the New York Times, Jenny Frentis, who now works for them, she worked at SI before that. She'd been on the Deshaun Watson beat, and she continued with the investigation, and they taught the 66 people that Watson had uh, gotten massages from. And so we understand here, not all 66 of them are alleging malfeasance but that's the sample of people that she talked to but those who are alleging malfeasance it was more than the 22 23 24 whatever the number was some of the details were absolutely jarring in seeing and i come away more convinced than ever that something is wrong with him there appears to be something that you could take to a professional and they might be able to come up with a diagnosis of it. That doesn't absolve him of responsibility for the things that he has done, allegedly. But I can't believe a team was willing to give a fully guaranteed contract under the circumstances of all this stuff being out there. Browns ain't look into this even a little bit. They just asked him to tell them the truth. Once they got through the grand jury, I felt like they didn't care. You know, like that was it. Once we got through that, then they're like, all right, well, he might get suspended for 
half a season, four games, a full season. I don't think that they cared about that as much as we got a franchise quarterback, a top five in the league type of guy. We're going to pay for it. He's not going to get any um criminal charges. Whatever he has to pay out his pocket, that's fine. So I assume that was the extent of their investigation. The women said that they didn't hear from him to Brown. So like uh, they didn't do a deep investigation, but I don't think they cared after they got through the criminal charges. I know they didn't care, but this is where it confuses me because I get it. A dude like Deshaun Watson is rare, even though I don't even know if he's a top seven quarterback. It's just hard to find a guy that's even at that level. I get that. Okay. However, if a dude's nasty is to the point of getting him in trouble, but nobody acts like he did anything that he has to stop, then it is not going to stop. So I think generally speaking, we all understood going in with Watson that what he was alleged to have done was problematic, right? Even if it wasn't with every single one of them, it was enough stops and just the wildly irresponsible behavior of Instagram looking for massages, allegedly when it's really looking for sex, right? Like this is a terrible idea that he is engaging in that puts a zillion people at risk. That means it's probably going to happen again. That was the point that I made the whole way about this is that when it comes down to these matters with teams, as much as we would like often for their decisions to be based on some concept of morality, it doesn't work that way, right? What you're really talking about is, do I think this fool going to do this again and then ultimately embarrass us? It seemed very clear to me that the way everything had been handled with Watson, it's probably going to come back up again. Or it probably came up more than was alleged in the stuff that we knew at the time. And that's why there's no way I'd give him a fully guaranteed contract. Now, I think you and I talked about this. I sent it to you the other day. The NFL's contracts are structured such that if you get a disciplinary suspension from the NFL, your guaranteed money can be voided by the team. So I was very curious if it was just an agent trick when we said the contract was fully guaranteed because we knew Watson was going to get suspended thereby it wouldn't be fully guaranteed. There's a clause in that contract that says Watson basically gave a written statement to the Browns. And that written statement was telling on himself about stuff that he might get suspended for. And he could not have his guarantees voided for anything that was in his statement copping to whatever the stuff was. If there's one thing that's not in that statement that ultimately is grounds for suspension, it sounds like all that guaranteed money dries up. But I bet he still gets it because it's only like seven of him in the league. Exactly. So that's all I was going to get to is like for them to void the contract, that means he no longer needs to be their quarterback. And for him, if he gets banned from the league, okay, they're going to want that money back. If he gets suspended for a season, we're going to wait this out. He gets suspended for two seasons. We're going to wait this out. So they're not going to take his money. They're not going to take his money. He's already passed the grand jury stage. So they're not going to take his money. But I do think it's important for us to revisit one part of this. Because, I, I mean, I see it in my messages all the time. Is There's a subset of society, largely men and largely football fans, that believe that this is an overreaction. And we don't know. It's he said, she said. You made the analogy a while ago of it being like a a 23-leg parlay. I thought that was an excellent one. 
to me, it feels so obvious that, and I'm not saying that I'm above it, that I found myself like being susceptible to uh, like trying to think of ways and the mental gymnastics I had to go through to think of ways to make Deshaun Watson innocent is such a long way to go. When if you look at the facts out there, like it's pretty clear that he up to something. He, the Browns, I mean, I've done a couple of like the serious TV networks. And I'm just like, yeah, they're probably going to suspend them six to eight games. But I don't know what the NFL is going to do because I'm not exactly sure exactly how offended the masses are or how long they'll be able to push this away. But it does sound like on the ground in Cleveland, this is still a black dude accused of being a sexual deviant. They're a little uncomfortable about this. But will they stay uncomfortable if he come out there and throw for 350 and three? I don't think so. I don't think that. I don't think it lasts long, particularly in Cleveland. There's no reason in history, recent history, for us to believe that it's going to last long in football. It's going to last long in the media. It's going to last long at all. Maybe things are different. I guess the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, like the reaction to that would suggest that things are not very different. But there's no reason to believe that this is going to hang over Deshaun Watson or that there's going to be any price to pay. People are going to go back to what they normally do. And if that boy can cook, then he can cook. And that's what the highlight is going to be. And I mean, once he's paid his uh, his debt, as far as the settlement is concerned and the fines and suspensions are concerned, and he's not going to do any prison time. I don't think there will be a real tangible price in the way that you describe, right? Like monetary, like he'll make his NFL money, all of this stuff. But there, it's going to hang. It's going to hang forever. And so what I think is a little different So let's make a comparison between he and Ben Roethlisberger. And where I think there's a little difference is Ben Roethlisberger didn't get a house from Warwick Dunn, right? You know, like he did not have, the the backstory of Ben Roethlisberger is not the backstory of Deshaun Watson, which became kind of the launching point for all the charity work that he does. And apparently he does a lot of it, right? He was being positioned as a community leader in a way that Roethlisberger never has. And look, this thing is always hung over Ben Roethlisberger. The resume that he has and having been a quarterback for 17 years or however long it was for one of the, you know, stalwart franchises in the NFL, we're never going to treat him like that. Like Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be a guy that winds up being a broadcaster or any stuff like that. And I think with Watson, there was a high end of the way that we could have viewed him that I don't think is going to wind up happening for him. But the thing, man... This thing is still going. I don't know how bad it can get for him. Like as cynical as both of us are. And the fact that it was only five years ago that we had the Me Too reckoning. And it was real, man. A whole lot of people took L's that they're never going to recover from. By the way, L's they shouldn't recover from in 99.9% of the cases. But somehow, I personally learned a lot in that time period, right? Like that informs the way that I look at the Watson thing and realizing that just because there wasn't some crime, you know, all these other levels, We got to look at what that kind of behavior that he's alleged to have engaged in, how that affects women and how that affects our society as a whole and all of those things. And I thought people actually was doing that. No, no, no. Just for a couple months. And then we just rolled off of that. That's one of the reasons why I think it's important that we talk about it is because we ain't going to fix Deshaun Watson. But I think this all just speaks to like things that we accept, that we think are acceptable. And And as black men, like we understand that it's important to talk about 
the inequities and the unfairness that's out there in the world, not necessarily because it's going to affect me, but because the white people who are listening to us will not listen to us talk about this anywhere else. So the white people that are willing to listen to your podcast are not the white people that are going to read the warmth of, of other sons. And so I think that's part of this is like making it clear, because I think that honestly, before this Deshaun Watson thing, if you talk to somebody about like just the allegations in this case, I'm not sure that most men would look at that and be like, that's despicable. I think it's important for us to let people know that like that's despicable because you don't know how it feels to be in that situation. And I think it was Chappelle made a joke about like being on the subway with a suitcase full of money at night is what it feels like to be a woman. And yeah, that's like that's a perfect distillation for men to think about because you know how you feel when you got a pocket full of cash and you in a bad neighborhood. To be a woman is to have a pocket full of cash and always be in a bad neighborhood. And everybody know you got cash. Yeah. And everybody can look at you and see it. So like to be alone as a massage therapist like the idea of feeling unsafe in there like is something that would have never crossed my mind i remember uh mina told me a long time ago that when she's on elevators with men like she travels a lot for work you know elevators with men she likes it when the men get out the elevator first when they get to their floor and i never considered that. i always let the woman get out first because i was raised like these are just the little minor things that go through your mind and for us to be able to bring this up and talk about it like I don't care to valorize Colin Kaepernick any more than I care to like demonize Deshaun Watson. But the issues that they allow us to talk about, it's important for us to take those opportunities to talk about it and allow people to try to see the world a little bit differently than they have before. This is, I think, the context worth mentioning this in, which is I think a lot of us were basically taught the worst thing she can do is say no. And nah, that can, it, you know, nah, 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 nah. It's not nearly as simple. And I think the thing that I said that I had thought about and realized in the course of it was just because I know myself and I know I ain't going to do nothing terrible, that ain't got nothing to do with that person that's over there. And you can't just find yourself bound by your belief. Because if you look at some of those allegations with Watson, it's him pushing, 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 and then finally being like, all right, cool. And they throw him some money and they leave. And his thought is, well, hey, man, well, she's, you know, she said no enough. I just went ahead and stopped. And there is a danger and a damage that comes in the steps that are along the way. And so even if you don't think do men any harm necessarily, because, again, I know the ideas that we get from basically older dudes that we think know something because we don't know nothing and they didn't know nothing either. And it all like goes in this cyclical fashion. But nah, there's room for some reevaluation and some reconsideration and some things that you used to think was appropriate. Right. And I mean, the idea that he pushed and pushed and pushed and she kept saying no. So then I backed off. It's one thing. There are some people that or some situations or circumstances that push and push and push. And, and she says yes. And or she behaves or she performs whatever act you want her to perform or she allows you to do whatever you want to do. And then in your mind, you're like, all right, I just had to I just had to work a little harder. Nah, like she could feel insecure. She could feel unsafe. She could feel threatened. And and that's the part that I think is like terrifying. It, it reminds me I, when I was young, my dad told me this a long time ago when I was little is like all little kids like dogs or pets or whatever. And like I run up to people's dogs or something when we see dogs and they'd be like, oh, he's friendly. Go ahead and pet him. To the point that you were making, like, you know how far you will go. They don't know how far we will go. And so my dad was like, he got teeth, don't he? That's the way that I think a lot of women 
are forced to go through this world where it's like, all right, I can tell you I'm safe. I can tell you I'm kind. I don't bite. Nah, you got teeth, don't you? B.I. can't blame him. Wouldn't advise anything else. <laughs> They're right. And I mean, again, as, as a black person, I feel the same way about a lot of situations I end up in. <laughs> it's like, nah, given the track record, I'm going to go ahead and be as cautious as possible until proven otherwise. Yeah, I guess the thing for me on this, and this is a very important thing to me. For men, I feel like this is much more of a time to be listening than it is a time to be defending, right? If this many women are like, yo, this is foul. Generally, you understand what they think is foul about it, but you might want to find out what exactly they think is foul about it. Like, it's not a time to tell these people they wrong. It is a time to try to get some better understanding about where it is that they are coming from on this one. Jai Del Rio, I respect his right to be ridiculous about this. I don't agree at all with him. And by the way, just so you guys know, we are recording this before they have the primetime unveiling of the Candy Camera video that apparently we have never seen before that they go show on Thursday night. We are recording this before that. I got no idea what they might be putting in there, but... Jack Del Rio, if he just thought that that was a little dust up and he wanted to go, what about Chicago or whatever it is about the Black Lives Matter stuff? I think that is absurd. I think that is harmful. There are plenty of people who felt the exact same way about Colin Kaepernick and I told him to respect it. It's not about whether or not he's right to me. If this is what he feels, you say it. We get to say that you're ridiculous. It goes from there. But the Washington Commandos, apparently, after he did that press conference, were like, yo, how about you pull up that notes app you copy and paste this little statement we're going to give you, and you say, I was tripping. And then he did. <laughs> We've talked about the history of the relationship between the commanders of the Washington football team and black people in D.C. I mean, Atlanta and D.C. are like the only cities I can think of that like have prominent, powerful black population in some like aggressive way to the point where you're like, it's called the chocolate city. It's real hard. To be on the commandos, be out here talking this crazy stuff. And I think had he been somewhere else, let's say Jacksonville, the reaction might have been a little bit different. But given where this franchise is, and I, like you said, we haven't seen the candy camera, so maybe it's that bad. But like the stuff that he said before, I'm with you. Like he, we see the world very differently. And I came to understand that about a lot of coaches I played for and was around. And I ain't going to lose no sleep over Jack Del Rio having some antiquated misguided understanding of the way the world works but i do think that it matters where he is and what this franchise is going through right now dc there are a lot of people with a very direct connection to what happened that day you know somebody that was on the capitol police force right you know somebody who worked in that building you know somebody who just happened to be over there whatever it is but this happening in your city it means something different and so with Del Rio, he can be out there. The comparison to the Black Lives Matter stuff, there's a whole lot of people who absolutely agree with him about that part, but are not about to be out here calling this a dust up at the Capitol. Now, this is what confuses me, though, overall about a guy like him. And I had to actually stop in the way that I was looking at this at first, because I was going to say that a little bit of a dilemma on something like this is while I find the view to be absurd, I recognize I was thinking it's not really fringe. Right. Like it's not hard to find somebody who thinks this. And like there are people who are running for office on the basis of this position, except a whole lot of those people who were doing that 
are losing. Like when this whole thing happened and it shook out, even the biggest media arsonists in the game all stood down. And they were like, hey, 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 no, man, we can't, uh, we can't be having this. People who were willing to lean in on startling levels of hypocrisy at every level. On this one, on January 6th, they were like, nah, nah, we can't do that. That is absolutely inappropriate behavior, and it cannot be tolerated. And, you know, they ramped it up a little bit more after that. But this is a loser of a position. Jack Del Rio doesn't realize that just because his partners is on this, no, no, no. The people who run your side of things have decided we're not doing that. Why would they want to upset the apple cart that much? They doing all right. <laughs> so like, I'll double down on your point is it's not just that you might know somebody because I was here. You was here. Like it wasn't affecting me personally, but I was a little concerned. I had CNN on. And to the other point that you made, I flipped over to Fox News. I wanted to see just what was being said. It sounded just like CNN. They were like, this is scary. This is terrifying. Because while they do like to create some instability, they ain't trying to flip this over. They doing great. So chill out, Jack Del Rio. That ain't what anybody wants to hear. Honestly, they fine with you and your group chat talking trash. You're doing whatever you're focusing on, on Black Lives Matter. Aiming your ire that way so that you don't see the other ways in which you are, you and your people are also being disenfranchised. They fine with that. But don't kick in our front door and start shaking shit up. Nah, let me tell you what a whole lot of January 6th seemed like for some people, not all. Because there's a lot of people that was just super gung-ho about getting in it or whatever it is. You remember in House Party when they tried to run up in the spot, they were able to keep them out. Full force dudes get back in the car. Buddy pulls out the gasoline. It was like, let's go. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I thought we were going to have a good time. Kick some Yes, but <laughs> nobody said anything about burning people up. Like, like that's like, like that's not that's not where we was going with that. And that's nothing a bunch of it. They're like, and now we're gonna storm the Capitol. Whoa, oh, hey, 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 hey. Um, actually, damn, I left my phone in the car. I'm gonna need to go back and get that. Yeah, yeah, no, y'all, no, 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 no. Don't wait on me. America needs you. But I need my phone. So I'm going to go get my phone and then y'all go and brrr, jump in that car and get up out of here, right? You've been there when you with your partners and it's like... I was about to tell you a story. I was a freshman. My brother was a senior. And like I was like talking to a girl who was like a junior. And then we had a party to go to. Her boyfriend was like one of the cool kids who was older. He was a senior. And he was like, him and his boys was going to jump me at the party. And so like, I got a reputation to uphold. So I now I have to go to the party. I can't not go to the party. Who'd you bring? Tell him who you brought. My brother and I went and got my homeboy. I ain't gonna say his name, but he's a homeboy and he got uh he had a he was a close he was more closely tied to the element than me and my brother were. So we filled up two cars full of the element and went to the party. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got there and the element had brought some hammers. And I was like, nah, I did not plan on. Oh no, when you say when you say hammers, do you mean Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Ratchets? No, not ratchets. <laughs>
I would have been more impressed if they had brought actual hammers. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been. I'd have been scared of that, too. Like, nah. I just thought we was going to intimidate them, maybe punch them a little bit. Just let them know that I'm not to be trifled with. Just because, like, I get good grades don't mean that I can be fooled around with. They had bought them thingies, them blickies, (laughs) them biscuits. They brought them all. (laughs) And so uh, they, like, tucking them under the seat and stuff. And so anyway, we go into the party and then they was like mad because the other guys had got scared and they was like, dog, we came here for some trouble. They blow up the party, just fighting people. And then the police come. So we all scatter. Like what happens? You go to police. Me and my brother go to our car and go home. And then the next morning we find they had left a sawed off in our car. It's like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> but they came, the element came and the element wasn't going to leave unless they created some trouble. I'm just happy that we set the tone. And also we got out of there without any trouble. Cause that was an example. <laughs> when I showed up, <laughs> I was not quite ready to follow through with what I said I was ready to do. I'm wondering if the last time you told the story about the element, it came up in the exact same context. Cause I want to go stop you. Cause this is like, I got a few stories that are like my yeah. tried and trues, and I've been telling them on the air for 15 years and nobody minds. That's yours right there, right? <laughs> like, like you looked at the car and you was like, whoa, 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 is that a mask? Whoa, whoa. hey, 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 hey. Oh, I didn't know that this is what we was doing. We got something to live for over here. Yeah, yeah. But nah, Jack Del Rio learned the hard way. Like, nah, partner, we not all in your Facebook group, man. <laughs> like, this is time. And you're right. The commandos got their whole situation going on. They just up there like, can you imagine Jason Wright? Can you imagine him being up there just like, oh, are you serious? He ain't even that good at his job. Rob Rivera just, (laughs) yo, Rob Rivera has to regret every day that he took this job, right? Anything gone right for him since he took this job? He's been having, you know, he had the health problems coming into it. His quarterback almost died. Right. His quarterback almost died. The COVID situation. These fools won't get shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, I don't, I know they're paying them a lot, but that's the thing is these coaches don't be doing it for the money. The money is only about ego. I heard you guys talking about um, Ricky Henderson. It's the same thing where it's like the Ricky was cheap. Ricky wanted that money so that y'all respected him. And I think the coaches are the same way because Ron Rivera, there ain't a million dollars worth of things that Ron Rivera won in his life. He already got all that money and he took this job for respect. And all he is getting is a pain in the ass (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of L's. That's it. That's it. Last day before we go. Aaron Donald. What a flex. (laughs) Love it. So proud. He's like, look, man, I'm going to quit this job. And they're like, yo, this can't. We can't have this. No, no, no. What do, what, what do, you, what do you need, dog? Because I didn't realize he was going to get paid like $15 million or something like that. It was it was something relatively paltry. He's like, she must be high. <laughs> you that. want me to be the best defensive player in football for 15 Nah, I'm going to need you to double that. <laughs> we can't. I need quarterback money. Yeah, but I said, what you going to tell Aaron Donald? Well, technically, you're not an edge rusher. So? <laughs> Yeah, I get that type of pressure, and the edge rushers that you have get more pressure because of me. Dude, I am <laughs> not an edge rusher. I'm the whole line rusher. Yeah, put me anywhere. An incredible defensive tackle is just a whole nother animal for me. Like watching, unless we're talking about like Lawrence Taylor, like watching a great defensive end, it has a charm to it. But watching a great defensive tackle, it's almost like if a buffalo was a gopher. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> out of nowhere, a buffalo has come out of a hole in the ground. One of the more incredible things you can have in sport is when someone 
does a like mundane job or a job that's that normally looks mundane and boring, but does it in an explosive way. Like Aaron Donald rushes the passer up the middle in a way that I want to watch. And I ain't never wanted to watch a defensive tackle rush the passer because normally defensive tackle, they get a little edge on them or something. They do a little hump move or something. It's cool. Aaron Donald be blowing people up and, and be sprinting past them before the ball even gets fully snapped. Like the things that he does are things that you don't see. And he does it regularly. I, was it the Cowboys game they played last year or maybe it's the year before? They played the Cowboys early in the season and he was taking like all pro offensive linemen and taking them off their feet. And they're just like, yeah, nah, huh. you just don't do that. Well, Andy's working on Davion Cloudy pointed this out is a great point, which is because when they started putting him at like the five technique, which seemed like craziness to me, but he's just a hellraiser. So it works there, too. Guards are the least athletic players in football. Facts. There's nobody who could play another position who's playing guard. There are lots of guards who couldn't be tackles. There's lots of guards who couldn't be centers. But there is no guard. Like Quentin Nelson, it's crazy that he's a guard, but he doesn't. I think his long enough arms is his issue that stops him from being able to be a tackle. So Aaron Donald is out there against the least athletic players (laughs) in football. You would think it wouldn't matter because there's not enough space, but he's so special. Yeah, two of them don't matter. Don't matter at all. Oh, brainiac ass center out there making the calls. Your call don't matter, bro. <laughs> you better call 911. Better call your big brother. <laughs> you can slide the line any way you want. It don't matter. Yes. Yes. Oh, gosh. But yo, that is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out. Get up. Anscape. Baitable. All over the place. My man, I greatly appreciate you. Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassain and Adi Khan handle things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Don't forget, The Right Time Book Club starts Monday, June 13th. King of the World by David Remnick is the book. Howard Bryant will be our first guest. I think you get through page 168. Gabe gave y'all a significant reading assignment, but don't worry. It kind of flies through. Uh... Follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.